Well, good morning, everybody. I've got two stories for this morning, two true stories. The, both stories, I believe, will probably be familiar to many of you. And uh, forgive me, but I'm going to read them to you. And this is the first story. On the 5th of August 2010, 33 miners were trapped underground when part of the San Jose copper and gold mine in Chile's Atacama Desert collapsed. The miners were trapped in a shelter at a depth of 700 meters below the surface. Initially, they tried to escape through ventilation shafts, but ladders that should have been there weren't. They looked everywhere for an answer to their terrible situation and tried to get out of the mine. But despite their best efforts, they couldn't save themselves. Seventeen days after the accident, rescuers found a note attached to one of the probes that they had been sending down through the exploratory boreholes. It said, All 33 of us are well and in the shelter. After this, the rescuers managed to send food and medical supplies to them through one of the five-inch boreholes. On the 13th of October, 69 days after the accident, they were all rescued. Uh, Many of you may have even watched it on telly. The rescue was watched by an estimated one billion people worldwide. An extraordinary number and an extraordinary story. And I'm so glad that Lee shared his story this morning of his escape from captivity. My second story will also be well known to you, and I'd like to do it in two ways. I'm going to read you just some things that I've written down about the Easter story, and then we're going to turn to the Bible when we get to the burial of Jesus. We've already been told this morning that the Easter story is the greatest story ever told. It is a true story of betrayal, murder, miracles, and life after death. It's the story of the Messiah, or maybe to put it in our language, the anointed one or the chosen one. It's the story of a Christ, the anointed one, the chosen one. It's the story of the Son of Man. But the story is a miracle, and it stood the test of time. It's a story that intrigues believers as well as non-believers. It's difficult to know where to start, but if I start at the point where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, uh, there's a few sermons in that alone, but unfortunately I don't have time for that this morning. And then this miracle set the plan to murder Jesus into motion. Why? Well, he was attracting unwelcome attention on the Jewish people. The leaders of the Jewish religious council were worried, for they feared Jesus' growing popularity. That's going to happen today as well, as people fear the popularity of Jesus. The Jews who lived under Roman rule feared that something may happen to them as a result of the attention Jesus brought to them. 
Jesus continued to become more popular with the people and less and less popular with the Jewish authorities. So the leaders plotted his death. One of the disciples, Jesus, betrayed Jesus to the soldiers who came to arrest him. Jesus was questioned many times, judged by various leaders, and finally was sentenced to death on the cross. Although death by crucifixion was common practice in Roman times, Jesus' ordeal is particularly cruel. As I was preparing this, and you're looking through the scriptures, it's often just one line where they say, he nailed him to the cross. And it's so easy to read seven or eight words just straight through it without really understanding the significance of it. It was common practice, and it was cruel. He endured the customary beating, and then he carried his own cross. He fell due to the heavy weight And another man called Simon had to carry the load for him. Jesus was then hung from the cross using nails, driven through his hands and feet. He received vinegar to quench his thirst and suffered a horrible death. He was on the cross for about six hours, from nine in the morning to three in the afternoon. While he was on the cross, many things were said to him. On one occasion, he was mocked when they said, He saved others but he cannot save himself. Now I'd like to turn, if we may, to the Bible. Uh, All of that is in the Bible, but I decided to summarize it for you. I'd like you to turn to Mark chapter 15, verse 42. This morning's message is a very short one, by the way, so don't blink. (laughs) Otherwise, you might miss it. For those of you who know me well, that is normally true. They're short, sweet, and to the point. Or at least I hope they're sweet, anyway. So Mark 15, verse 42. Remember, Jesus is alive. It's good to read the word, and it's good to read the difficult things. In the Bible, it's good to read those as well. But we have to remember he's alive. Mark 15, verse 42. In my Bible, it says, the burial of Jesus. Then verse 42. This all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath, which was the Saturday. As evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honored member of the high council, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead, so Pilate told Joseph he could have the body. Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth. Then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where Jesus' body was laid. Chapter 16. The Resurrection. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, 
Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look. This is where he laid his body. There are just three things, three important things I'd love you to take from today. The first is this. Stop trying to save yourself. The miners couldn't save themselves despite their best efforts. And they tried many, many things, as I've read around the story, very uh, ingenious things they tried in order to try and get out. They needed help. We can try to save ourselves by being good people, helping those deemed less fortunate than ourselves, giving money away to great causes, etc., etc. But true salvation only comes through him. There's There's a book in the Bible called Romans. It's in the New Testament. In chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. In the story I read earlier about Jesus leading up to his burial, I said many people mocked him by saying he saved others but he couldn't save himself the irony of this is that what they said was 100% true in order for Jesus to be saviour of the world he couldn't save himself he had to go through the agony of the crucifixion in order to save you and me you see Jesus was the innocent one There wasn't anything sinful about him at all. And yet, he faced the punishment of death so that me and you, the guilty ones, could go free. Um, We don't need to feel guilty about that. We can just be thankful to our wonderful Savior. We needed rescuing by the Savior of the world. So firstly, stop trying to save yourself. That applies to people in here, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. Second is, don't look everywhere. The men in the Chilean mine looked everywhere they could to try and save themselves, but there was no way out. People tend to look everywhere for answers to life. But the Bible clearly says to look to Jesus. In the Bible reading that we've all just read, in Mark 16, verse 5 to 7, it said this. 
When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. You know, we're all looking for something. Look for Jesus. (laughs) The one who was crucified, but who is risen from the dead. You know, we, we cannot save ourselves, but when you look at Jesus, he's the one that can rescue you. When I was preparing this, the first thing that came into my head when I was praying was the word rescue. And for me, that's what this morning is about. If you want a title for this message, it's the greatest rescue that ever took place. Um, And while we love to talk about us together, sometimes it's okay to be a little bit selfish and talk about it to yourself and talk about the greatest rescue that took place for you and me. In Galatians 1.4, it says, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. So stop trying to save yourselves. Stop trying to look everywhere else. And thirdly, you don't have to stay underground. There's one part of the Chilean miners' story that I haven't told you yet. There was a doctor by the name of Dr. Jean Romagnoli. I got it right. Well, at least you won't know whether I got it right or not. But it, Dr. Jean Romagnoli. He, he wasn't a, underground. He was above the ground. He'd ever, he did everything he could to look after them while they were down there. But for safety reasons, because of where they were, he had a hard hat. And on his hat were written the words, no one stays under. No one stays under. He he was determined to keep everyone alive by giving them the right food, medication, and encouragement. The Bible says that God desires all people to be saved all people to be saved. Not just people in Cardiff, not just one color of skin, not just one faith that people have been brought up in. Regardless of faith, he wants all to turn to Jesus Christ. That is his desire. He does not want anybody to be left out. He desires all people to be saved. No one is to stay under and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's in 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. Now, analogies break down at some point, but to further use the mining analogy, God doesn't want anyone to stay trapped underground in the darkness, but he wants all people to be rescued and know him as the light of the world. Three three simple things. Stop trying to save yourself. Don't look everywhere. You don't have to stay underground. Even as a Christian, sometimes you can find yourself feeling as though you're underground. But you don't need to stay there because Jesus is alive and he's well aware of what you're going through and he's more than prepared to get you out of it. 
Do you know, for all of that I've said so far, I want to remind you of one important thing. Jesus rose from the dead. And therefore, he is alive today. Why are so many people convinced of the resurrection? There are many, many reasons that are given in the Bible. Here are some of them. The empty tomb. The appearances of Jesus in the 40 days he remained on earth after his resurrection. The transformation in the disciples. The transformation in the disciples. The historical impact and the fact that I'm stood here today still talking about it 2,000 years later. But you know what? There are then the stories of people like me and Lee's story and your own personal stories. There's a man in the Bible named Paul and he wrote quite a lot of books of the Bible. And one of them was to some people in Galatia and it was appropriately called the Book of Galatians. And in chapter 2, verse 20, he he said, Paul said this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Do you know, Paul had stopped trying to save himself. He'd stopped looking everywhere else for an answer. He'd come out of the darkness where he was trapped. And it's the same for me. And I know it's the same for many of you in this room. You know, God saved me by his grace when I chose to believe and put my trust in him. I cannot take credit for this because it's a gift from God. Do you know the gift of new life and his salvation is available to anyone who wants it and it's available today? The miners had an estimated one billion people watching their rescue. It's a mind-boggling number of people. But you know, for those who give their lives to Christ today, if that's what you choose to do, in this room or anywhere in the world today, there will be many more, many, many more than one billion Christians celebrating with them. I think there's an estimated over two billion Christians worldwide today. We sang a song earlier, didn't we? And the chorus was this, you are alive in us, nothing can take your place, you are all we need, your love has set us free. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I want to ask one final question. I told you it was short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, He is alive. There are many faces in here I don't recognize today. I gave my life to Christ in 1985 as a 19-year-old lost young man. And however many years later that is, somebody do the maths for me, I'm still here today following Jesus Christ because of the difference he made. Interestingly, I was a young man who hadn't gone down the wrong paths, let's put it that way. I was actually a young man from a fairly privileged background who became very cynical of that and thought, if that's all there is to life, then what's the point? 
an interesting difference, but that's the truth of it. And in one sense, in worldly sense, I had everything, and yet I knew I had nothing. And that's how I came to Christ. I came to Christ because I knew there must be something more. And there is something more. It is true that he died on the cross for me, and just as importantly for you, and it's also true that he rose again. And the purpose of him rising again is that he's alive today, but that's a picture of our lives today, is that we might have been born and come out of our mother's womb, but we get born again. And it's a spiritual rebirth, and we live again. And so we are living today resurrected lives. Yeah, Every day is a resurrection day for us. So I don't know who you all are today. I don't know what your particular situation is. But I want to give you an opportunity to give your lives to Christ today. So there's two specific things. One, you may never, ever have done this. You may think, be thinking, what on earth am I doing here today? Well, I know this. Whoever invited you to today, I want you to know the Lord Jesus Christ welcomed you in here today. He knew you were coming. And he wants you to know him personally. So I make an invitation to anybody in this room to give their lives to Jesus Christ. There's a second group of people, and you may be thinking, well, I gave my life to Christ at one point, but I'm not really doing anything with that right now. Well, let me encourage you. When you give your life to Christ genuinely, even if you never, if you don't continue to walk in it, I assure you God is still with you. Yeah, the Bible tells me that. He's still with you, and he's waiting for you to come back to him. You know, when the miners came out, or sorry, when the miners were underground, as you can imagine, they were there for a long time, and the media as it was, dug into their lives and found out every gory detail they could find about 33 individuals. Some of it wasn't very pleasant, but they were underground. They couldn't do anything about it. I don't know if all that I read around the story is true, but it's clear that some people's lives were less than savory. But that's true of all of us as well. And the way we've lived our lives may never be shown to the world. But our wonderful Father in heaven knows everything about us. And he does care how we lead our lives. But Jesus died on the cross for all the things that we ever did wrong. And so all the gory details that you may never want anybody else to hear about, I hope they never do. But I know Jesus knows about them. And he was glad to go to the cross for you and for me. And he was glad to die for all of those sins, both past, present, and future. That's why he went. And I just want you to know that he, he has forgiven you, and all you have to do is ask him into your life, and you will truly feel that forgiveness once and for all. I wonder if you'd just close your eyes for me, because I'd like to give people an opportunity to respond. When God spoke to me about speaking this morning, he just talked about rescue. For those of you who are in this room today and need rescuing by God, if you just give me a wave, that would be great. 
and I'll come and pray for you at the end. If that's anybody who wants to know the love of Christ for the first time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for today. I want to say thank you, Lord, that you're with us. I want to say thank you, Lord, that you are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. I pray today that every single man, woman, and child in this gathering would know your presence with them. Even for those that don't know you yet, Lord, Father, I pray they'd leave this place knowing that you love them more than they can ever imagine. We pray for your blessing upon the rest of our gathering together and for everybody's plans today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.